sometimes you don't have control. <laughs> so it's like with a project, like you can do some stuff. Like you could just, oh, I'm just going to like stay up and just do it. Or I'm going to get focused and just do it. You know, with deals, you can't just do that, right? Like you're sort of like a lot of the control is in the customer's hands. And so you're waiting on a lot of things from them. Sometimes you're potentially waiting on things internally, like you just don't have any control over. So one characteristic emerged as a significant predictor of success. It was grit. I thought about bringing like a wine bottle, like opening the cork or something to kind of be similar to last week. Do you have something? <laughs> no, that was me. Just my sound effect. Maybe what you didn't it? hear it. Oh. I'll do it again. There you go. That's not bad. Perfect. That sounded pretty good. <laughs> so we decided to more just like, like a, sounds more like a pop gun, but yeah, whatever. We decided to just roll into it to talk about what we were talking about right before this, which was how hard it is to figure out what to talk about <laughs> on podcast. Yeah. And probably one of the reasons why we don't do enough of them. The quintessential college kid movie, which is like, let's make a movie about figuring out what to make a movie about. And we'll just have one minute segments of each idea and then we'll like be back at the table laughing at each other or making fun of our ideas. <laughs> we'll spare you that, hopefully. But actually that's not just a college thing. That's what's the <laughs> there's a new movie out, I think I just saw, where it's a movie about a documentary. <laughs> so it's a you know the what's the Tiger King or something on Netflix? Oh, they made a movie about it? Well I mean everybody learned about Tiger King from the documentary and they made a movie about the documentary. So there's like a, okay. it's like an infinity mirror. Now we can make a movie about the guy who made the movie about the guy who made a movie. Yeah. And the funny thing is that they took the person that played, I don't know how much people watch Tiger King, but there's basically two main characters. One is the Tiger King and the other one is, I don't know what her name is, the cat lady or whatever. <laughs> I can't remember. But yeah. They're both insane. And one of them went to jail for trying to kill the other one, which is, oh, sorry. I just like spoiler in the story. I feel like everyone watched that because that was right when the pandemic. Started. <laughs> exactly. Everybody yeah. in the whole world watched it. Yeah. So what is her name? Katie, Caitlin McKinnon or the SNL. Kate like, McKinnon. Star. Yeah. She's in it. She plays that lady and she played That's her like on SNL. Like oh, in I the never skits they've done about it. She played that character. And so they like brought her. I think it's actually whatever NBC, whatever their streaming network is, Peacock. Like, oh, good. So I'll never see it. Yeah, perfect. I think it's a Peacock movie. <laughs> and so <laughs> hence why I guess she like got the part or whatever, since she already works for that network. But anyways, in terms of making a movie about another movie, <laughs> I saw done. that today. Did you see the actual movie or you just saw that it existed? No, I actually saw. Yeah, I saw that it existed. I have okay. not seen it yet. I was like, I finally met someone who bought Peacock. But no, I <laughs> but yeah, I was just telling myself this the other day. I was like, I should do... I mean, I think everybody that has a podcast probably thinks this, even the ones that, you know, even the really big ones, I feel like I even, they talk about it on their podcast where they're like, I need to put more time into this. I need to pay someone to do research. I need to, you know, do all this stuff to make it better. But I do feel like every time we get on, and even if we're just talking, like we're doing it the, like in easy mode, which is like, just talk about like stuff you're doing. Well, that's actually kind of hard because <laughs> even when my wife asked me what I'm doing, or what'd you do today? Or like, what are you working on? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, it disappears from your brain pretty Yeah, fast. There's like so many things getting crammed in that things fly out and it's hard to keep track. Well, I feel like in a startup, like I feel like I struggle with this early on, especially when you're not closing a lot of deals. My background's in sales. So like, I feel like there's momentum and like something happening. Like it could just be one deal, you know, that was closed in the last week or whatever. And it feels totally different to me then if that didn't happen and if you asked me hey what'd you do this week like that would be you know would come to my head right away but like there's so much more to like you know continuing to grow a company so many different little things all the time that is just like you do so many things you just can't remember what the hell you've done so every time i get on this podcast i basically just go into notion i either do one of two things i go into notion i click all updates and i just scroll back through like everything that we've talked about, <laughs> like back and forth in comments, just to see if there's anything that's like, oh yeah, we did that this week, I remember. Or I go in Chrome and I just look, because I usually have a lot of tabs open and I'll just like click through the tabs and like 
was I doing today? And also like a lot of times I keep tabs. I mean, this is bad, but like, oh, I'm not going to do that right now, but I'm going to like throw it over here. <laughs> and then you have a whole week's worth of tabs and it's Wait, a terrible habit. Wait, just open, you mean? Like you just yes. leave them open? Well, not a whole week. Today worth, we're going like... to talk about browser hygiene. Okay, so you leave your tabs <laughs> open all day or for days at a time. Is that right? Yes. Yes, I do. Like to revisit. I mean, I do that too, but kind not of, like, yeah. not as like a system or just like I didn't get around to closing them. Like I treat my tabs like very ephemeral. Like everything I'm looking at is usually persisted somewhere, like a bunch of GitHub stuff or I mean, Notion is a little different because I usually use the app, but almost everything I'm looking at is either like I was researching something and I opened like 20 tabs that are now irrelevant or it's stuff that I can always get back to. So I always build up like a huge tab list and then I use one tab just to quickly close them and it keeps them in a little list if you ever need to reference them, which I literally never do, but it's faster than closing them all separately. So it works as like, if I need to revisit it, I can go find it, but yeah. Right. So you, you use it for like a read it later almost like, oh, this is a good article. I'll just leave it open kind of over here. Or something. Yeah. But I used to use Notion a lot for that. I have a page that I use their little browser plugin or tool or whatever extension. And I just push stuff to that page if I want to remember it. But I find myself like never looking at it again, <laughs> yeah. unless the, I'm like on an airplane, problem. which I'm not anymore. We even talked about this, but have you tried Matter yet? It's awesome. No. You is should it, try it. You can use it. Like I thought it was like, I, thought it was I, like, I think it was just open private or whatever. No, it's awesome. And I use it on like, it's only on iOS and iPad OS. Wait, is matter? Is that the thing that makes Chrome faster or what? <laughs> what no, 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 here? no. That thing is mighty. I don't okay, yeah. use that thing. Matter is it's like pocket, but better because I have pocket. I literally am a paid pocket user and I've used it I for like pocket. I've used pocket for like, I don't use it, but 12 years or I've used it forever. It feels like, and I l- almost never read anything in there. So yeah. See, I that's started using Matter. A lot of it's similar. Like the concept is very similar on the surface. Like you're just saving stuff to a queue to read. But the reading experience is way better. It's basically like Pocket if they still cared. Because they got bought by Mozilla. And like, I don't know what the like resources are behind Pocket anymore. But And then they have like, you can read, you can follow like writers and they'll surface like in a feed. So you can just see like what the latest writing is from, you know, XYZ writer that you like. And then you can also forward your subscription, your email newsletters in and like read them in there and highlight stuff and sync the highlights with like your external tools and stuff. It's pretty cool. You can even actually, they just shipped. I haven't tried it, but you can even, they have like a built-in Kindle integration. So you can like handpick a few articles to send to your Kindle so you can read them without like the distraction of the internet at your fingertips. So right, it's pretty sweet. That's cool. You check it out. Yeah. yeah. Recently, I've been using, kind of using Mailbrew for that. Yeah, use I use Mailbrew too, yeah. Because I'm like, at least this thing's going to like bubble it up to me, you know? Like, That's what I like it because it's like part of the issue with Twitter and stuff is like the endless, like you're never done, right? And then, but part of the issue too is that you don't know if you, like if the next scroll is going to be something worthwhile, right? Right. And so Mailbrew helps solve both of those. Like there's an end of your issue. Like you have but to that's set also limits. That's what then, keeps people like addicted. Oh yeah, I mean it makes the next sense scroll. they're trying to sell ads. So they're trying to like keep you in there, but... Yeah. But yeah, it's like Mailbrew will show me the top tweets from people I care about. So I won't miss anything that was like worth reading probably. And then, yeah, it's like it limits the number of stuff I have to read. So it's pretty awesome. Like a pretty simple concept. I'm surprised. Like, I don't think it's that big. I think the challenge there is like people don't use it. It requires individuals to identify the need. Like everyone would benefit from it, but society is not like surfacing that as a thing because all the stuff in your face is just like more facebook basically more facebook things more instagram things right and it's kind of counterculture to it's like counterculture and individual like discipline to even sign up for a thing and it's paid so yeah the funny thing is with their company like their stuff is cool the things they're building but it's kind of funny because they're like opposite (laughs) like it's like that thing is supposed to be like it's sort of the theme is sort of like get rid of the noise you know, get off of Twitter, get off of social media apps, like get it all here, you know, in batches. And then the other product they have is like shove threads, you know, into Twitter. shove threads in Twitter. Yeah. It's Funnel like, yeah. giant essays into tweets. But like, it's not surprising <laughs> that one is apparently like crushing it right now. And I know 
Seeming I've tweeted at them a few times because I'm nervous about the I know, I keep it. seeing, <laughs> I see your stuff. Because <laughs> it's just like, it's also just, I mean, having a Twitter app is like, there's virality because it's exposed in the Twitter UI and stuff. So it feels like it's just Mailbrew's going to get lost. But yeah, so I was using this Twitter analytics tool when the trial ended, I stopped. But I saw that like the founder posted that they now are like getting like an app store or something. Have you seen that? Wait, like Twitter's getting an app store? Yeah. Or, oh, yeah. They're going to start like... I'm glad they're yeah, like pretty, doing stuff. That's pretty cool. Why have they not had that? I mean, that's absurd. I don't, well, I mean, remember, so they, they had an API yeah. and then they like crushed everybody via the API and it like ruined people's businesses. So it didn't seem like they were... Well, I mean, they went through a phase of like not doing anything new for a long time and being like anti, you know, like no developers were building on it and... I yeah, just wonder just what, like, like, what are you doing if you're a software engineer at Twitter? Like, during <laughs> like, what are you actually working on? I mean, I know they have huge problems that just involve infrastructure. Like, scale. Yeah, yeah. But like, if you're like a product manager or something, it's like, what are you doing? Well, they're doing stuff now. So yeah, it's awesome. But yeah, I, I don't think he got back with me. I don't know. Maybe he did. But that's kind of interesting though, because when you think about all these, you know, you could think about like all the platforms that you can build on and you know the platforms that have app stores and all that kind of stuff like this would like by far i mean i guess facebook sort of was that i guess facebook did it you know they had like the games and stuff like that and people made like made tons of money on that but you know outside of that like this would be by far the biggest audience to be building apps for yeah i wonder like what the ceiling is for because part of the challenge with twitter is like the primitives of Twitter haven't really changed that much. Like you can thread tweets or whatever now. I mean, you could kind of do that before, like in a hacky mm-hmm. way. They've so they've made that's a thing. You can obviously put like images or whatever multimedia into the tweet. But I mean, in the end of the day, they haven't created like a ton of options. I think that's what makes it great. But mm-hmm. it also is, feels like it kind of caps the possibilities. Don't let it turn into Facebook. Yeah, right. like I don't want to have like go walk in there for a day and you'll be like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I saw someone tweet. They were like, the killer feature of Twitter is that your family's not on it. And I was like, that's exactly right. Like, I know. No one, I, I never have to be afraid about what I'm going to say. And it's, Although and there it, are other things you have to be afraid about saying on Twitter. <laughs> there's, there's definitely, you'll get canceled real fast if you say a certain thing on Twitter. Like, But after you've been on it long enough, you kind of know what that is. And you're just like, okay, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if you live by generally accepted societal norms or something like it's no yeah but there's like things that are i wouldn't say that important in the scheme of things and people will like just go after you for it yeah i mean and that's where like hopefully they'll clean up some of the like abuse replies and stuff that somebody came after yeah like i don't remember what i said i mean it was like the most unimportant thing like unimportant like category of things i don't remember what it was oh you know what it had something was to do this with like, like the a, Mailchimp thing. Yeah, it might have been Mailchimp. Yeah, I think it was. It was like something about like them when they sold and like you know a lot of people were really like freaking out because they didn't give equity. Like as if like people didn't know that already. Like they're bootstrapped. The founders own everything. Everybody knows that, and everybody knows that they like went there to. I think we talked about it on one of the podcasts. But yeah, like people, <laughs> there's a couple of people that like freaked out on. I was just like, yeah, I mean, everybody that went there knew. That they didn't have equity like that's like a known thing i don't understand why people are freaking out and like there's all this inequity involved and i was just like that's like over the top like yeah i mean because you kind of dove into a what was becoming like any sort of like i went the opposite direction of where the, well and there were other people saying was going some similar but it's like you jump into something with like a river of commentary and you just invite somebody's gonna not like it yeah, yeah. Exactly. Which I guess the latest version of that is another Atlanta company, which is which is Calendly. The past like week oh yeah has been just like a weird Twitter thing happening. Yeah, that's another thing that's stupid. I mean, that particular like the way he said stuff was like the guy that originally you know put a little like manifesto, which that was stupid. It's like the fact that you wrote out this long thing and then like took a screenshot of it, almost. Like that says something about it in itself, but (laughs) it's like that particular take was definitely been something like even I remember when we like all the way back to like the rigor days when we like they were our next door neighbor in this kind of co-working space and it was just like two or three of them at Calendly and 
even back then, I remember there being like some of that same chatter, although obviously like they didn't have the user base that they have now. Like, you know, I guess it's probably like tens of millions of people use it. But yeah, I mean, I just think it's such a dumb thing. Like every time I write some sort of email that's like scheduling a meeting or something, like I kind of think about that in the back of my mind and I'm like, I should like post the way that I say it on Twitter just like so I don't know like do people want to see that do they want to know like how to well, say just, it in a yeah night, I guess like, I didn't realize that was like a whole way you know like, I know no you know what helps to be kind and thoughtful in your like use right. considered language when you're communicating professionally like that should apply regardless of whether you're scheduling a meeting or you're just saying hello yeah Kyle never assume that people guess, think yeah. <laughs> whenever you think something is obvious I promise you it's not obvious to like at least 50% of the population <laughs> I mean, and also like a lot of the things that are annoying when you get like cold email with a calendar link or something, it's like the calendar link is not the part that's annoying in most cases. Like it's the fact that I have like uninvited garbage in my inbox that are like showing me a gif of a bucking bronco or something and telling me, (laughs) you know, like whatever that is, like that's the part that's annoying. If there's a link in the bottom, like who cares? Yeah, that's something else I thought about today too. I don't know if it was because I got a sales email or something, but it's all the same kind of stuff, right? It's like whatever, what did he call it? Like the social cues tech i don't know what he called it but yeah like how you say things how you do things like on digitally right like via email and in business and stuff you always have to remember like yeah these sales emails might be stupid and yeah someone might not say something exactly the right way you might get some stupid like gif in your email like whatever you know play into all the stereotypes or whatever of salespeople. But you also have to remember that, you know, all these salespeople are, you know, they're just trying to make it just like everybody else. And they might suck at their job. (laughs) Some of them suck and some of them, you know, don't. But they're all just trying to make it. A lot of them probably have, you know, families, kids, like they're just trying to do that so that... So and it's not worth some people take it on. like i'm just exactly like, I'll, exactly i'll either not reply or I'll reply and say please stop emailing me or i'll just let it happen and just not care like it just doesn't yeah matter. totally it's not worth your time to freak out on someone and it's definitely like you just shouldn't do that like well it's sort of <laughs> the thing where it's like i don't know i guess it's the golden rule right like if you're hoping that people will treat your inbox with more respect and you think that's disrespectful like to reach out to them and be jerks is kind of flies in the face of what you're trying to say so Oh, and yeah, I also, I mean, I remember obviously working with, yeah, working with salespeople who are doing that all the time. It's like, I often will just reply and be like, I'm not interested. Like, you can stop emailing me because it's like, this will help you save, like, save your energy. So that was part of the whole thing that happened is like, that guy was so, he put his manifesto out there and it's, you know, everybody that does this is, what did he say? It's like, they're like acting like they're in some superior position or something by sending you the Calendly link. Yeah, I pulled it <laughs> like, up. I was saying all this stuff. Okay, so if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, the guy's name is Sam Lesson on Twitter, at Lesson. The thing is basically like, Calendly etiquette is the most raw display of social capital dynamics. And yeah, he says, when someone Except sends you a Calendly link, yeah. they're telling you that you are less important than they are. I'm correcting his grammar as I go. And that all of their current <laughs> meetings are more important than whatever you need them for. So yeah. And so then, I mean, a lot of people replied, but then Tope replied, who's the founder of Calendly. It was very much like a drop the mic response. It was pretty awesome. Like he was cool about it. I mean, he was probably loving it because they were getting, well, I think he said that. I think he said something like, yeah, he was like, thanks for the thanks for all the signups. (laughs) And then he was like, and by the way, he said something like, let all your portfolio companies know, like, we like, thanks for all supporting the them or companies. something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, but little, little that's another thing. I mean, that goes really close to what you just said, which is like, you've worked pretty, like, at small startups and obviously our own company where your salespeople are, you know, we're going outbound, we're sending emails, we're, and you know the people like personally, and they're not like assholes, right? Like, they're good people and they're just trying to do their job and they're just trying to, you know, bring in new business so that our business can grow. And so, you kind of get like, it's kind of the same thing because that guy's like all his companies are using Calendly. They're all doing that stuff. People just need to be more like everyone we would email that would like come back at us like and do something that was like they would say something horrible to us. I'm just thinking more of like past, you know, positions and companies. I'm just like, you realize you have like an entire, like probably a huge team of people doing the exact same thing. 
that are, you know, in some way or another, like paying your salary. <laughs> so yeah, like, I don't know why you have to be an asshole about it. Yeah, it's the replies are pretty funny, too. I mean, it's the one reply is basically what you said, which is like, this guy's like my hack. I solve this. And it's basically just like, add this before your link. And it's like, can you send some times that work for you? Or if easier, grab a time on my calendar by clicking this link. Yep. <laughs> it's like, yep, that was do. easy. Because <laughs> no, because everybody's going to go, yeah, I'm not going to look this up and send you a bunch of times. I'm just going to yeah, use like, this thing. Or at least like, I feel like I have choice. Had a chance, right? Yeah. yeah, you gave them the chance, even though everybody knows it's easier to use Calendly. So yeah, so that was classic. That was pretty but hilarious. As a tangent though, the same guy also said, about once a month, I use Calendly links from salespeople who are emailing me nonstop and I book them calls with each other. That's pretty awesome. I mean, that <laughs> I don't know if that actually happens. He said they booked the call. He does book the call? Like he'll book a call. So if he gets like two inbound emails from different people, he'll book time on one's calendar with the other guys <laughs> with the other guy's email that that's is, pretty funny that's pretty that's hilarious. pretty good yeah anyway i don't know what we're talking about but that's funny wait this, was that on the, in this episode on the we'll original? just read twitter it's one yeah. of the replies on the guy's like little post here we'll link to the tweet in the show notes so if anyone we should get Tope to, on and talk about this i need to get him on well of course and the other topic that always comes up whenever calendly gets like any airtime which i feel like is not like it's like every it feels like once every quarter or something or once every six months, there's some weird like thing. The other one that's always classic is I could build this in a weekend or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh yeah. That's every person so you've funny. ever talked to where Calendly came up in the conversation and they're like, I just can't believe, I just don't understand. Like it's so basic. Like it's like, eh, I don't know if it's that basic. Yeah. I mean, like, it's like, have you it, ever, have you been in there in a while? It's pretty, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff <laughs> going on in there. It's certainly like the seed of the idea is pretty simple, but there's a lot to it. And also like at this point, even if it was super basic and you could clone it, they have a billion users. So like good luck cloning that part. I mean, that's the other part that I always get to is like, it's super hard to like get, especially entire organizations. It's one thing for individuals, but you're like trying to divert, like there's no way your weekend hack can become Calendly, at least not right. anytime soon. Or like Google will just build this or something. It's like, it's always the same, which I mean, I don't know why they didn't, but or haven't. I think they tried to buy them at some point. I'm sure they did. You would think if you have the calendar app, you look at the ecosystem of calendars, of apps for calendars, it's crazy. Like, but I guess they're fine. Yeah, they, like, we'll just be the database. Like, that's fine. Everything still runs through us. So I remember getting, I don't mind saying this now because it's so long. I mean, it was like so long ago, but I remember getting like sushi with Tope at some place near atv and i mean this is like probably it's got to be like five years ago now but he got an offer from google he got an offer from i think it was go to meeting <laughs> remember that <laughs> yeah you're like is that right go to meeting go, that sounds go to meeting that's yeah is that the right <laughs> are they still around like i'm sure they are i mean i'm sure that's... there's like banks that are still Man. using go to meeting that was massive at a time but yeah like all those and it was all like you know it was something like you know fifty million dollars or something like that, and it's like Jesus, they're worth like three billion dollars now. So I guess he made the right decision. Yeah, I'm not sure I would have done that, but obviously it worked. I out. know fifty. Well, I mean, I guess seeing the metrics of the business might have changed your mind a little bit. It's like, wow, this is really easy. What's happening right now? But <laughs> like, I would feel I would flying. feel like the threat of mainly like a Google or Microsoft who own the calendar people. Yep. Like that is the where the threat is because it's going to be hard to compete from the outside. But if you were like, hey, there's like a sort of Calendly type feature. It's not as good, but it's built in. Yeah, but that was a I huge gamble. I don't know what Google's doing. Good for him. Good for well, him. We'll get him on sometime one day. He doesn't live in Atlanta anymore, so it becomes harder to find him. <laughs> I don't. I literally don't know where he is. <laughs> He's always like on some island or something. Maybe we can book a time via his Calendly link. Hmm. He probably doesn't anybody, have one. Does anyone know if he has one? I don't he know. He probably doesn't have What was the other thing? I mean, while we're on the Twitter thing, did you see that thing that one guy said about Stripe is like, there's like a mob or, or something? Like they're in like a mob and all the VCs are in on it. Did you see that? <laughs> no, no. You didn't see did that? Not, no. Okay, so this guy who is the founder of this company called Bolt, which is like some kind of like checkout I don't know this guy, but I feel like this whole category is a little bit yeah. Like, what's shady. the other one? Fast. It's like all something. these like really clever names with like huge followings and like millions of dollars, and there's no product. Sort of yeah. Thing, so I think that his company actually, I don't know if this is true, but I heard it's legit. Like they have significant revenue and stuff. But regardless, he basically did this 
super long thread on Twitter saying that Stripe basically has gotten every single VC like humanly possible, every big VC to put some money in and they like block out anybody that they see as like somewhat in like a complimentary like, you know, space to what they're in. Like they block them out of like every deal that like the VCs are like trying to like kill off any company that comes anywhere near Stripe. And I mean, I don't do it justice. I didn't read. Okay, I pulled up. Yeah, like he does make some good points. They seem fairly like backed up. Although, of course, there was like a bunch of VCs were going at him. And then like one VC is like, we looked at your stuff at the time. And it just, you know, the numbers sucked. Like he said something like that. And then a bunch of VCs were like, oh, you're not supposed to do that. Like, that's like the number one rule of like investing and whatever is that you don't ever publicly say anything about somebody's numbers. That's like NDA worthy. <laughs> Anyways, so it yeah. was this huge storm of things. The, guy, the guy's name is Ryan Breslow. He's the guy who founded Bolt. Yeah, I hadn't seen this. I had seen reference to the Stripe mob or something, but I didn't like dig to what that was all about. But yeah, he basically's basically saying they like kept boxing him out because it's mm-hmm. like the VCs and YC and Stripe are all like running the show, basically. Yep. Yeah, it's like you kind of the golden child see that and, happening and... a little bit. I mean, he also references Hacker News being yeah, that's dumb. The most important media asset in Silicon Valley, which I can't believe is true, but. I know a ton of people read it, but I'm like, it's not a monopoly on media. Like, yeah. that's not correct. Well, you see stuff like him saying that, and then you're like, well, yeah, but what about... Then you see all these companies, like Calendly. It's like, have they ever been on there? Like, does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. People that think that matters is kind of wild to me. Like, I don't think customers care if you're on Hacker News. I mean, this is actually pretty interesting. So we'll post a link to this so you because I'm just like sitting here scrolling through it. Yeah, it's basically I mean, it, it has like the accusations are pretty wild, but it's not like so wild that it's like, oh, I'm not going to read like this is pointless. There's a little bit to them. It seems like it's possible that some of it could be true. Anyways, I don't know if we're going to have time to go through that whole thing, but <laughs> yeah, you should definitely we'll just read check it. It's it out. Interesting. Yeah, we just we just gave the Twitter news, tech Twitter news. Oh, instead of, of Mailbrew, you can just tune into Made with Grid, and we'll just yeah. talk about our favorite Twitter. Th- we'll give you a couple points. <laughs> but yeah, back to I mean, what are we, we doing right now? Yeah, so I feel like we've been doing a lot of things. So many things. A lot of like little tactical stuff. I actually feel like I've been doing more. Like for a while, I felt like we had done a really good job of like kind of offloading a lot of things to the team and for whatever reason the last like two weeks i feel like i've been getting either pulled by somebody else or like i've pulled myself into a bunch of what i would say are kind of like lower like tactical things that you know i feel like need to be done so that's kind of why i feel like i've just been all over the place because i'm doing a bunch of that stuff and then i'm doing like a lot of the things are not like I do it to completion. It's like they're all sort of like doing it, you know, at once and just <laughs> you have like half progress across a bunch of things. I hate that feeling. Yeah, it's, like, it's I terrible. don't know what it is, like, but I can't stand that. I like to do like one thing to completion and then move to the next. But I feel like I've got like 10 things right now that are like moving across the board and it feels like nothing's happening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were talking about momentum earlier. That's an interesting, like, I feel like that term or that feeling is pretty important to create in each team and maybe even at the individual level, but especially at the team level has like one or two metrics or things that if you look at those things, they can make you feel momentum. And to your point, like closing a sales deal, it's like you might do all the work and nothing closes. And then when it finally does, that's when you feel the momentum. So it's not even like you're not moving but it's like you don't feel the wind blowing in your sails unless you get the close kind of thing and like the same is on the product it's like if the thing isn't shipped it's not there's no momentum around it even if everyone's like pushing it forward every day i think that's mm-hmm. a concept that's worth like it's interesting to look at and i mean we've tried to design our we try to like develop a, with that in mind to keep things small and i mean this is not novel but to keep thing like keep the changes small keep review cycles like low and fast and try to keep deploying 
as things come through so that you can get that momentum. And it's amazing how much different it feels. It's like you could do five small changes and deploy them at the end of the week. But if you did them five, one each day, you feel like you did so much more. Yeah, totally. It's kind of a weird like psychology thing. But yeah, it doesn't feel good when you don't get like something done to completion. I never really did stuff like that before we started the company. Everything I did, it was just totally different. It's nothing's like project oriented. (laughs) It was just like, I guess in some ways it's kind of the same thing because you're like moving deals across like a pipeline. Yeah. So you're kind of, you like do kind of have things. It's like similar to, you know, like projects or whatever, but in a lot of ways it's not similar at all. And sometimes you don't have control. (laughs) So it's like with a project, like you can do some stuff. Like you could just, oh, I'm just going to like stay up and just do it. Or I'm going to get focused and just do it. You know, with deals, you can't just do that, right? Like you're sort of like a lot of the control is in the customer's hands. And so you're waiting on a lot of things from them. Sometimes you're potentially waiting on things internally, like you just don't have any control over. So it's a little bit different. But now getting into this stuff where I'm like working on some like marketing site stuff and then working on like getting some content going with a vendor and like there's just a lot of those types of things and then there's still the sales stuff and still so there's just there's a lot of different things but i guess i could talk a little bit about the we're gonna start ramping up content which we've never really done before other than like doing it ourselves so in the past we've always written content ourselves which is super time consuming and yeah it's always like the last priority and then sometimes you feel like it's like good enough. Like we're ranking for most of the things we want to rank for and it's good enough because I got a bunch of other stuff I got to do. Yeah. I think that's like, you should do some stuff yourself, but like at some point it's good to just have kind of like, again, like some momentum and like a constant flow of things, especially if like you have someone that's, you know, good at doing that. So we're going to start using Marvel, which I think a lot of startups are using them these days. At least that's <laughs> when I talked to the founder, he was like, yeah, it's been kind of crazy lately. I guess. So they're like a prioritized service. I would right? like, yeah, that, like a writing service. Yeah. Like a content writing service. And so they've got this huge uptick in like demand, I guess. And they only have like a few people. So they're trying to expand and you don't want to expand too quickly and get rid of quality and, I imagine that would be pretty tough to deal with. <laughs> and the marketing stuff is interesting because it's, I feel like we both, especially because, I mean, you wrote more, I think, for ad reform in the early days and then a couple here or there. And then when we did user feed, like you wrote some stuff around that. And it's kind of funny because it can be fun. Like there's some cool, when you're sharing a lot of insights you have or tips or tricks or whatever, it can be very fun. But the actual work of producing an, like a published article is always slower than like I'm ready for. And also because I don't do it enough, I don't have that muscle built, but I like doing it. And so I'm always torn. Like when we've been better about doing it, it's always like, yeah, this is good. This feels good. But it's just not, neither of us are like marketers by training. And we also have other things that are typically at least feel more important to do. So I think it'll be good to get like someone else shipping that stuff. It's one of those things that like, it kind of feels good in the short term. Like, cause you feel like you're shipping, you know, you're putting something out there, but in a lot of ways it doesn't feel good. Cause like you're doing it for a purpose, right? You're trying to drive more traffic or trying to rank and, you know, again, drive more traffic. You're definitely not going to see that short term ROI on it. So like what I remember probably the first like year I wrote a lot of blogs. We used to do it on medium. I wrote a lot of blogs especially that first like six months because we didn't have a product yet. So I'm just like, what do we do? Like, I'm just going to write product and reach out to people and talk to people. <laughs> or Sorry, yeah, just write a lot of content and reach out and do basically like customer research. And then it felt like nothing was happening. But years later, like we rank for, I mean, looking back at some of those blogs, like for some of the key terms that we're looking to rank for, like those blogs helped quite a bit. Yeah, we still get leads from them. I mean, totally. Yeah. So I think most people know that, but it's one of those like long tail things that it's going to pay off probably more like 
a year to you know somewhere in that year to year two time frame instead of the short term which like for a startup you're like wait i gotta get <laughs> a year or two what are you talking about like i'm just trying to get off the ground i have like a year you know i have six months of runway or i have like a year left like where i gotta make this thing work so that's why it's hard to like spend time on it but i guess we're in this situation now where i feel like we've got a nice little base from the past but we've been really stale you know recently so getting that going again and being able to at least try this and see if we can you know give sort of like give the specs you know here's what we want to do here's the idea here's what we want to rank for you know you go spend the time to do the research and write it and then you know obviously we'll edit and like approve it and then go live with it just giving us a little bit more time i'm really hoping that this can work out and be something that we can you know have two to four blogs going out every month and you know hopefully this helps us like the way i'm looking at it is is you know could be something for like again like a year or two from now it starts it'll to be really cool help. to start seeing it like as see when if and when like they sort of pick up leads yeah. and stuff so we have some ideas for new products like within the platform that we already are working on and so i think it like part of this is you know, once we get past some of the blogs around the keywords we want to focus on for like what we have now, I'd like to start doing things that are, you know, hopefully will help us rank for those other terms for future products that hopefully we will have in a year or two. And, you know, we won't have to like start then, right? We can do it now and then rank. And then once we have the product, hopefully that will help drive, you know, traffic to it. So yeah, kind of kind of get ahead of things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the marketing thing too, I feel like it works better if you have like to sort of address the issue of like the instant gratification. Like, I guess it's sort of like shipping a feature when you have no customers or something like it feels good because you've got the thing out in the world, but there's no one looking at it. So it doesn't really like you don't get that satisfaction, but it's almost like at least just setting like a once a month or once a week, whatever the right number is, like just committing to it and just doing it. You know, I feel like that's the way to do it. I mean, I feel like this on my personal writing too. Like, yeah. Every year I write like three blog posts and I'm like, I'm going to write more. And then I never do. If I committed to it and also like lowered the bar for what I would, I mean, it's different for personal because I don't think you have a different feeling toward what you need to say and how long it needs to be and how quality and images and all that stuff. But even for professional, I think you can like, it's easy to get caught up in like perfection when just like do something, you know? Right. I think writing is one of the most important things you can do. Like definitely if you're in tech, but if you work for any kind of business, which most people do, where you're emailing or any of that kind of stuff, it's super important. And there's definitely, I feel like I've gotten, I don't know if I've gotten worse or if I've just forgotten some things, but I definitely feel like I don't feel like I've improved a lot in the past few years. And I think some of that is just like, you know, being heads down, doing a million other things. Like at Rigor, I felt like I got, I did improve and i was learning things from i was focused on that i was learning how to write emails in different ways that help move deals you know there's certain ways that you can write things that are just it's not like the standard way that people write emails there's ways that you can use like highlighting and bullet points and like there's all these different kind of tactical things you could do and that kind of stuff can help a ton both if you're writing like sales emails or if you're writing internal emails or even, you know, just chatting with the team or whatever. So anyways, on that topic, <laughs> I've been feeling like either I'm staying the same or I'm getting worse. So I paid for a course, which I've never done. And I didn't just start like, oh, I'll just pay for like, you know, like a hundred dollar course. I paid for a thousand dollar course. Oh, good. On really writing. escalate the commitment. I escalated. Yeah. So we're going to try to guarantee performance. But it's one of those things, like, I feel like for what I do, if I can level up even just a little bit on, the, like, as a writer, specifically, like, kind of like business writing and sales and that sort of thing, I feel like if I can level up over the course of my career, it will be worth more than $1,000. And that's the way that I look at it. Well, I think of so, it too. I mean, even more simple, like, if you have enough money where that's not like, you know, breaking the bank, 
and that gets you to do the thing you want to do, even if the thing you want to do is like learn how to knit or something that has nothing to do with work. Like, I don't think that's like people would say, I mean, people might be like, oh, you overpaid or like, oh, you should do it like, you know, bit by bit, which there are arguments for all of those things. But if this is like the way, you know, to trick yourself into doing the thing and the thing is what you want to do, but can't get yourself to do. I mean, it's not a bad approach. Just make it count. Yeah. It's like, cause you'll feel bad if you don't do it. So right. that was kind of the point, right? <laughs> yeah. I hesitated when I was like, I really wanted to do it. Like everything, my gut was telling me to do it. But of course, like you see the price tag and you're like, what if it sucks though? Like what if, <laughs> what if it's not, even with like a book, you typically are going to learn like a couple things from a book, like any book that you read, you'll pick up a couple things that you'll take with you that are useful. So like this, I just feel like, you know, there'll probably be a couple things that I learned from this, maybe potentially a lot more than that. And that's where I came down to. I'm like, well, I make more than a thousand dollars from this because I got better at writing, you know, as a, somebody that's selling and like constantly writing emails to people around, you know, contracts and talking about the value of something and all that kind of stuff. And then like have, you know, internal conversations with your team. And I just think there's no way that I don't make back a thousand dollars on that. Like probably make a lot more than a thousand dollars. So. I mean, and there's the good or bad news is there's no way to know. But if you do the thing, like, is this like a synchronous thing or like, do you watch videos or something? It's both. Okay. It's synchronous, but you can go back and watch stuff after. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cause yeah, if you like, if you do it, it's sort of like a placebo, I think too. Like if it makes you feel like you're doing a better job and you start to do a better job, you know, like even if you're, I don't know, maybe you're only 1% better and you feel like you're 10% better. That still matters. So totally. yeah, well, we'll have yeah, to report I'm back after it. how long is it? How many weeks? 10 days. 10 days oh, in a yeah. row or like spaced out? It didn't say, oh. but it's 10 days of like, class i guess you could say and i think it starts in like february i want to say or no no no. it starts in march oh okay i was like it is february so yeah <laughs> you better get ready it's a few weeks away so nice i didn't really like pay attention to like i'll just wait for them to email me but yeah you have to report back because i mean this is also like there's so many people doing courses and books and mm -hmm. and obviously anytime you have that like there's going to be good ones and bad ones but it's something I'll that I'll, really I'll report in. whose it is if it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can vet it for everyone, save yeah. around the money. I've never done one of these things. And you, know, you hear everybody's talking about doing different courses or making courses and all this kind of stuff, like you said. I've somewhat been skeptical, but like this person, I feel like I've given a decent amount of time to in terms of like following them and seeing their, like what they talk about on a, you know, day-to-day -day basis. So like, I feel pretty comfortable and confident that like they know what they're talking about and I will learn something. So we'll see, but I am excited. But I, I also like, like this as challenging. It can be to like vet it and also kind of buy these things piecemeal and stuff. I think it's cool that there's so many things like mm -hmm. you can like take, buy little eBooks about this or that, or I have a couple in my queue that I need to read about like performance and some different tools we're trying to use and stuff that like people, it's like someone like me will go through the process of implementing technology XYZ and they're like, have enough foresight to document some of it. And then they're like, I'm going to publish some blogs. And then sometimes it's like, there's enough here. I'm just going to pull it into a like yeah. $10 ebook. And for me, it's like 10 bucks. If that can shortcut me to anything like, yeah, I'll do that. So it's a cool model. Yeah. I like that. I mean, in some ways that makes it harder to like figure out what's good, but it's so easy to make this stuff now. Like, make a synchronous class or make, you know, like a video course or whatever it is. Cause there are a lot of people that are, you know, good at particular things. And it's just cool that people can like make a living off of just that one thing that they're good at. So based on this course, or I don't know if they even call it a course or if it's like a class, but so it's two or 300 people and it's a thousand dollars. So this person's going to make, this is one person, this person's going to make two to $300,000 off of this in 10 days, <laughs> which That's is nuts. wild. That's wild. That's also that which thing is, where it's like, you're kind of, whoever this person is, obviously has built up reputation, probably yeah. like 10 years worth of, or whatever it is, at least a couple of years worth of credibility around this topic. So 
Yeah. The ROI is a little, that's what I always struggle with, with any of this stuff, especially on Twitter, the build in public crowd and stuff. It's like, I mean, I know we've hit on this before, but it's like, just try to consider whenever it feels like it's too easy. Like you probably have it wrong. Like you're probably missing something because there's usually like, oh yeah, they've been doing this for 10 years or, or whatever it is. Yeah. We'll see. I think it'll be interesting either way. And yeah, I know I'll learn stuff, you know, whether it's worth a thousand dollars or not, I don't know. But yeah, like you said, like, I think there's a lot of things that for whatever reason we grow up thinking like, oh, that's expensive. Like, I don't know why we just generally think that, but like, I think a lot of the things that we think are expensive, like in terms of things that could help us get better at stuff, aren't really that expensive. Like if you were to look back, you know, 10 years later, you'd be like, oh, that was so cheap. What was oh, I yeah, doing? Totally. I should totally. have been doing that shit like the whole time. Yeah. I mean, if you, and that's why it's like, you'll report back obviously, but part of that is the internet, like the internet being free by default from the beginning, definitely like messed with people's ability to, I feel like that's kind of unwinding a little bit, but it took a while for like people to want to pay for news and stuff. I feel like it's at least in our little corner of the internet, I feel like the almost the opposite reaction. I've talked about this before. We should do an episode on just like personal software stuff you pay for or like, or this would be an example, like it's not really software, but it's software enabled courses or whatever. Cause I'm like, I love supporting people that I get a lot of value from in some way, you know? So, but I think the early days, it was the opposite. Like there's gotta be a free version of this. I mean, there's still people obviously who do that, but it's sure. like, I could do this, but there's probably a free version. Yeah. Or, I mean, and we did some of that with our, you know, when you're in the early days and you don't have any, your business has $0. You're like scraping together things that you could probably just pony up a couple thousand. Like if you had a thousand dollars, you could probably buy the couple SaaS products you need. But when you don't have any, you're like, well, I'll just save $2,000, but it's really not worth your time probably in the end. For sure. Yeah. We used to do that a lot. Well, I kind of have to go because so by the way, every time we do this podcast, we do the podcast at eight o'clock on like Wednesday or Thursday. And I put my daughter to sleep every night. And when I don't put her to sleep, which is we put her to sleep at like eight, eight thirty. So like by doing the podcast, I can't put her to sleep. And <laughs> I thought it was after. Not, I thought it, we tried no. I thought it was after. Oh, okay. Well we can change things, we can change it. Things change rapidly in the sleep department over here. So she used to go to sleep like at 7.30 and now it's, I think I heard you say like it's starting to get harder too with your daughter, but yeah, it's like, it's getting tough and she's waking up constantly throughout the night and like walking in the room. I just turn over, I'll like open my eyes and she's right in my face. Oh, yikes. That's like, how long have you been here? (laughs) What is happening? If Tony puts her to sleep, she can't sleep. Like she screams and cries. This literally happened the last time and Tony, (laughs) she's walked up to the window in the office here and she's like, it's back, dude. She's being terrible but okay well we yeah, yeah so i'm gonna go goes. we can find a new spot so we'll make it happen it's yeah i think a, a few episodes back in the fall i think didn't i leave in the middle of recording to like yeah. deal with a similar situation so yeah sleeping that's a it's whole real. other conversation yeah these like regressions and like changes and oh man it's weird too because our six month old he was for the first three months it was like oh my gosh it was not good sleeping was horrible eating was horrible like he just cried all the time it was not fun well it's totally reversed now he sleeps great he's always happy he's like you know quiet and our the daughter had it all three-year-old yeah, yeah she had it all figured out and now she's waking up like multiple times the night and coming in a room regardless of what we like do to like we've tried everything it's like we've tried like incentivizing her to stay in bed we've tried you know like hey you're gonna be in trouble if you don't stay in bed, like we tried like all the different like mind Any games direction. And, <laughs> <laughs> and none of them work. Nothing works other than locking the door after like the 10th time she's done. It's like, okay, we got to lock the door because like I have to sleep like this is insane. Or it's either locking the door or we sleep on the ground in a room. So yeah, you know, once you get past like the fifth time in the middle of the night, it's like we got to choose one of those options here. So, you know, we kind of like wing it on the whatever happens, but yeah, we can do another episode with talking about that kind of stuff too, because that's always a fun topic. It's also like every time we talk, it's a little different for everybody. So, yeah, everybody gets to ride along on this sleeping journey with us, with these kids, and whatever the next thing is with them. But yeah, the sleeping thing just seems like that's like the thing that changes the most with kids, which is the most annoying, I feel like, to us, because it's like, 
if they're not sleeping, you're not sleeping. So it's kind of the same thing. And not sleeping is not good. So it has cascading effects that are not great. I get a little annoyed when everybody on Twitter, you know, all these people that are like 20 something or like, you know, they don't have kids and they're just like talking about like how they optimize for sleep and all these things. And I'm like, dude, shut up. <laughs> like, Here, I have my aura ring and my face mask. Yeah, exactly. And my 10 minutes of meditation. <laughs> I'm like, I just go straight to sleep. I don't mess around. Yeah. I turn the light off and I get in bed and I try to go to sleep as fast as I can. And then half the time I wake up in the middle of the night for no reason and I'm still awake. Like that's the reality of it. But yeah, I get up in the morning and I walk outside and I look at the sun and I do, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> how do you have time to go walk outside and look at the sun? Also, the sun's up when you wake up. That must be nice. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, first of all, the sun's <laughs> down. If the kids are still asleep and I have the time to walk outside, the sun's definitely down. And if, <laughs> and if the sun's up, I don't have time because I'm with the kids or I'm, you know, feeding them or I'm taking them to daycare. Or I'm doing whatever. Like, I don't know what these people like. They must hey, not I have mean, kids. Do you, I guess. But I'd love to do that. Maybe one day I'll do that when we don't have kids around. But it ain't going to be for a while. So Company retreat. <laughs> oh yeah we need to yeah one company night, retreat one night. in which we just go to bed at 10 and sleep till noon and then we wake up and we're like cool good retreat <laughs> yeah that's basically when we send the kids to my parents now and we're like oh we have all these big ideas and big plans of like what we're gonna do it kind of reminds me of like when my wife would leave for work back when we did things like that she'd leave and i'm like oh yeah i'm gonna like go hang out with my guys and like i'm gonna hang out with the guys that don't have wives that i never get to see and like all this stuff and then i just end up like sitting at home eating, eating like macaroni and cheese and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly you're just sit watching sports center or something like but you kind of not i mean you kind of come to embrace like yeah. watching random youtube videos in my watch later playlist i never got to and like in bed and then just going to sleep it's kind of the same yeah exactly all right well i'm gonna go see what kind of battle i'm about to head into here <laughs> make it happen and until next time yeah we'll chat next time all right all right yep see you